This is the She Do That podcast. She Do That is a London-based animation community aimed at developing female-identifying freelancer skills and connecting them with people in industry to strengthen their employability and hopefully go some way to narrowing the gender gap we see in the animation industry. Each episode will consist of a conversation between two women from the UK animation industry, one junior and one senior chatting about their specialism and throwing some light on different career paths within the industry. This is a second in a two-part conversation between junior animator Eloise Garlick and senior animator Hannah Lau Walker, who both freelance in London. Last episode, we spoke about what it's like leaving university and entering the industry. So if you hadn't had a listen yet, please go check it out now. In this second part, we reflect on our experiences freelancing and finish up the conversation with an all-important money chat. This was recorded in London during the spring of 2021. So the pricings mentioned are industry standard at the time of recording. Fair warning, if you can't stand hearing the word like, then you might want to turn off now. There's only so much I can edit out, I'm afraid. There's also a few studios and softwares mentioned, all of which will be in the show notes. This is our first go at a podcast, so we hope it's helpful and we look forward to hearing your feedback. And without further ado, let's continue the chat. Do you think it's best to look for freelance or employed roles? Um, Freelance. Freelance, freelance, freelance. Um, but yeah, no, because I've I've never not been freelance. So obviously completely biased and have no idea what full-time work is like. <laughs> but the thing that's nice about freelancing and working with lots of different directors is you, you know, try out all these different things that you potentially wouldn't have even thought to do. Yeah. You, you know, sometimes you like block yourself into one, like you pigeonhole yeah, yourself. Yeah, absolutely. But like freelance does not allow you to do that because they're like, this is the style. You have to you do that to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, that's really nice to sort of be challenged in that way. And I also think that actually being challenged in that way makes you faster and better and quicker. Mm-hmm. Because, like, for instance, I worked for, I think, about a year, maybe, like, on the same at the same studio, sort of on the same job that kind of just kept rolling over. Was that tough? I think at the time, like, I think I really enjoyed it because it was really relaxed the people were so nice mm. and like really talented but midway through and I just started feeling like I'm not actually I felt kind of stagnant like mm. I wasn't actually pushing myself and also I don't think I really knew how to push myself yeah because I could see they were doing amazing work and I think for me personally like I know other people who can see amazing work really unpick it and then just emulate yeah. it and be amazing but for me, I was just like staring at it, going, "I know my work isn't like your work, but I don't know how to." <laughs> but there's like, better. yeah, I got no idea. Mm. And then I, I took a job, worked for like two weeks, I think, at a different studio, and just that experience of being in a new place with new people, and my like anxiety levels being turned right to the max. Yeah, I was just like pushing myself so much harder under pre- like under a pressure yeah, situation um, exactly like compared to being like so relaxed and happy mm. I was like oh, I'm miserable and like so it feels so intense mm. and like I was in a room of like five guys and just like you know they were all really nice I mean not that 
we ever really hung out like because they were friends and I was me mm. on my own but um which you know in itself is quite tough I think like being a woman in a room with like lots of guys but that kind of that was also that feeling of well, I know that they're probably not going to like me in the same way that they like each other because yeah. they have like a slightly pre-existing relationship. But also that feeling of, I need to really impress them because, you know, like I think, I don't know if you find this, but sometimes I do find, because I'm a woman, I feel like I have to be that much better. Oh, absolutely. Than, yeah, right? And it's like, obviously that sucks, mm. but also it does it's make, make us <laughs> pretty great people. Makes us <laughs> really <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely wouldn't be the animator I was. I may be a lot happier, but maybe not the animator I am today. But yeah, I think that pressure of being the only woman in those environments and feeling stressed and feeling like super intense about everything. Mm. <laughs> Obviously, that sounds sad, but actually, it does really well because no one's talking to you. Give you a lot of time to focus on your work yeah. and get better. And then you know when I did that job and I came back to that studio, I actually found that I, like even the producer was like, "Have you always been able to animate like this?" And in the back of my mind, I was like, "Yes," but in the front of my mind, I was like, "No, you haven't." Kind <laughs> <laughs> of be real with yourself. Come on, <laughs> get real. But I think like obviously when you're on when you're working around people who are really talented you're also soaking up so much stuff yeah that you don't really realize and i think it takes sometimes a shift in like space environment yeah Yeah. to kind of boost that yeah i don't know to like push it to the forefront and go stop stop being so lazy sometimes yeah and but also like the more people that you do work with you're soaking up all the different skills that they have so like the more you freelance the more bubbles you burst (laughs) burst and soak in in. I think it's becoming a thing and if not we're starting it now I'm bursting some bubbles I'm bursting some bubbles um but yeah like that's that's totally something that works in a freelancer's advantage yeah Yeah. benefit yeah I think and that's like that's why for me like in my opinion like freelancing is better when you're freelancing you're also not only like sharpening your skills but sharpening not sharpening but like recognising what it is you like at different studios you know before you settle down into that full time role you're sort of going oh actually at this studio I really like this structure or you know there's such a massive difference between a huge studio and like a small studio run by two guys yeah like that those environments are so different and and each studio has a different kind of attitude and like yeah you know it's nice to kind of figure out where you fit and what you like and how you best work yeah I think the kind of jobs that studios take on are all very different as well like I think so true different studios get approached for different things and I think Mm. like Sometimes they're better. Yeah, and you should go to that studio because of that job. Because well, yeah, yeah, because some fun. Also, because I guess that's so subjective. Like my opinion of what a fun job is might be the complete opposite opinion of somebody else. Mm. Thinking about that, like different studios, I think, especially in terms of people coming into the industry, like when you're making a show reel you should really think about like which studio you want to work at what style you want to do mm. and have those showreels look like those you know if you want to 
work at say the line i think they use tv paint and tomb boom so if you want to work at the line you should know tv paint and tomb boom mm. it's like if you want to work at strange beast they use mainly flash i think like um, adobe animate so it's like you know you've got to make sure that you're prepared for those jobs and those kind of like studios the ones that you want to get into yeah. rather than like i don't know learning every bit of software what comes from the woman who has only ever known <laughs> one software we love anime i love you anime <laughs> although i still find it so weird to call it anime i keep being like flash it's totally flash it's because totally flash. the files are flash files exactly it's never not flash did you find you had to learn different software when you were at uni were you given like one because when i was at uni we were on paper and then we had old <laughs> I am um, ancient. We learnt on paper also. Yeah. Yes. Um, yeah, we learnt on paper and then we learnt Adobe Suite. We did Photoshop and mm. Flash, which is why that is all I know. I think when I when I apply to jobs now, like I make it really clear that all I know is Flash and Anime. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Flash and Photoshop. Yeah. Because I'm like in... I mean, obviously, in terms of like if you want a producer to still like you, you should let them really know what software you know. But also, do you, if a job came up that was for, like, Toon Boom or TV Paint, do you think that you would turn it down? I only say that because I remember when I, like, a while back, I sort of, um, a job came up and it was for, I think it was for Toon Boom. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know Toon Boom, so I was like, oh, no, sorry, I don't know the software. And then literally five guys I knew also that they knew Toon Boom like jumped on this job none of them knew it but like mm. learn apparently it's quite easy like learn in the first like day or something mm. and I was like no no one told me that's what we were doing but in terms of learning new software I think the thing that I like found really fascinating from the dis- she did that discussion it's like talking about ageing and how Mackie was saying you know if you want to stay in the industry you do need to like keep up with software and I think, you know, obviously that's not for somebody, like, fresh coming in. Yeah. But it's like, I think you do generally need to be, like, aware of how things are going and what's changing and what softwares are sort of, like, coming up more. Yeah. Because obviously at some point, you know, the directors who are directing will start probably preferring, you know, TV paint over anime. Yeah. Um, and so there's going to be, like, a natural shift that everyone's going to be doing that now. Yeah. Um, which is... Scary. But I think we'll be able to recognise that. Like I think the more mm. emails that do come in saying the, uh, Do you know this? And then it'll be we'll get to a point where that is all we're getting. And yeah. We'll be like, oh that's definitely now true. it's time. Will studio train uh, you on the job or should I only be applying for jobs that require the software? That's yeah, I think majority, isn't it, don't train you. Well, I don't know, like especially in terms of cleanup, I feel like because I've been at certain studios where, for instance, the director will walk walk through Photoshop with someone and send them many, like, obviously send all the brushes, but also be like, oh, here's the timeline, here are certain, like, actions and things. So, like, I think sometimes they do little... Like a little breakdown tutorial thing. Yeah, a little tutorial, but I think that's often for people who sort of know Flash and then transitioning transitioning yeah. Photoshop I, was, I think like Photoshop is one of the ones that you can probably do that with because it is very like the layout is really basic but yeah. when you're in other 
programs. Like, yeah, I feel like TV paint. Uh, yeah, TV paint and Toon Boom. Yeah, and even Flash. I think like when it comes to symbols and stuff, I think it mm. is a bit. You can't just put it in front of someone and be like, yeah. "This is really easy." <laughs> I was speaking to someone recently about how they they were told to sort of learn on the job, but no one, I think, really knew it to teach them. Oh my god, that's um, so overwhelming. So yeah, I think that it would be amazing if if studios did do. Like, even if it was just a one-day tutorial, mm. because I feel like... Because that's the thing about software, is that as soon as you're in a room with people who are also using that software, mm-hmm. if you have the basic knowledge, you can turn to someone and you'll learn that software so, so much quickly. faster yeah. than it. The thing where I remember I would try to learn TV paint on my own with, like, little tutorials online. I was, couldn't find one thing... And I, someone told me later that actually it's called a different thing. Oh. So even me searching for it, yeah. I was never going to find it kind of thing. And I was just like, I basically gave up because I was like, well, I can't do that. Yeah, it doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's over. Like That's so frustrating. And yeah, it was if I'd been in a studio, someone would have just gone, there it is. Yeah, I like, found it. Oh, okay, cool. And it is a shame that studios kind of like limit themselves with like their pool by not that's the thing yeah they would benefit so much from because they all have like a handful of animators that they know they can go to for jobs Mm. and who are going to do the job well so there's no question in their ability to animate well yeah and it is literally just a matter of knowing a program and if yeah if the studio can supply that because ultimately it's the studio's decision to have worked in that program in the first place yeah yeah, that it would just make so much sense. I always think about studios investing in the future of the industry. Like, you're investing in people and, like, the longevity of people you know who can animate mm-hmm. careers. And, like, yes, obviously that is their responsibility to do that for themselves. But also I think it, it would be nice if <laughs> studios kind of recognise that they did play a part in, in that process. Yeah. And that by them simply, you know, paying for like a week tutorial for like a handful of their animators Mm. well I don't even think it would need to be a week like even if it was just like two days of a tutorial you could train up a whole load more people and then that'll just keep them going for longer exactly and I think that's really positive yeah definitely please can they do that yes please (laughs) yes please I'll take one TV paint course (laughs) and a long boom a tomb boom and a long term supervisor for After Effects because I don't think you can learn that in like two days I feel like you need like an on hand Ah. mentor so how is it for you now um but yeah like I've worked with a few places now but it is still kind of a struggle knowing how to get new places to notice you Mm. if you've never worked with them before yeah I think it's sort of I feel like I've, I, this is me being really gross, but I'm like, I worked everywhere. <laughs> I definitely not worked everywhere, but like, you know, I've worked at like quite a few studios and it's, it's strange how that like snowballs and it is often a lot for recommendations. Like, you know, you just, I think also there's that weird thing with freelancing where you have like these pockets of animators that you kind of jump into mm-hmm. every now and then and they kind of like move from studio, like from job to job and you kind of are with them and then maybe you you get a random job somewhere else and you like get into this other little bubble so it's like I feel like there's like bubbles of groups of animators like traveling Mm. around all sort of working together um but when it comes to like new studios I just feel like 
from my experience, I think I just email people. Like when I first started, I just emailed absolutely everyone, like directors, um, studios, because you know, just sort of saying to directors, "Oh, I really like your work. You know, I'd love the opportunity、mm-hmm. to work with you one day." Like this film or this thing you made was like amazing.、Um, you know, if you're ever looking for a playback person, like I'd love to work with you. Yeah, because I never noticed how much influence the director has over the people they work with. I always thought that was like a studio decision. I think, well, maybe not all, but like a lot of directors do pick their own crew. Yeah, who they've worked with before and who they're. They could, they know they can rely on. Yeah, exactly. Also, the thing that I did, I would find animators that I wanted, that I wanted to be like, and like look through their like LinkedIn and saw where they worked, and then emailed all of those places, and was just like, that's so that is smart. Because I was just like, oh, they obviously are this good, and they、yeah. worked here. Maybe I can be this good if I work there, and and then it kind of. Yeah, you sort of. I think you just send out enough emails. I feel like when I first started, I sent hundreds of emails. I had an absolute fear that like you would get blacklisted if you sent too many within、oh. one. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't be a crazy person. Like this is the way I got producers to notice me. Every email in their inbox was from me. <laughs> me. 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 But I don't. Yeah, I think like. I think the good thing is to email somebody, and then because also producers are so crazy busy, they're getting thousands of emails in like a day. So don't be offended if someone doesn't respond to you, but also email them back like the next week, going, "Oh, I was just checking in, blah、mm. blah blah," or "I just made this new GIF. I'm also available." Like you know, sh- set share dates that you're available, and like keep people up to date because I've seen it happen where an email literally comes in. When someone's standing over you, going, "Do you know anyone who can work right now?" and that producer's like, "Oh, actually, this <laughs> person's just available." Yeah, yeah, yeah it, it can just happen like that. It's so sort of yeah. It always feels. I think there's like you kind of got to let your pride slip a little bit. I think it feels、yeah. really beggy sometimes, being like, "Oh hi, I really hi. liked that thing that you did that time, and、yeah. I wanna." Do something like that with、yeah. you, okay? <laughs> please, <laughs> please let me know. Please let me in. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. Like feeling that way, but I guess it's just the thing you have to do. That, well, yeah. yeah. If you don't say that kind of stuff, then someone else will, and they'll get the job.、So. Yeah, and I think I think that's the thing also to always remember is. If you don't tell people stuff, they don't know.、Mm. Like no one knows when you're available or when you're not available, or if you are interested in directing, or if you're interested in leading, or even if you're interested in actual animation rather than cleanup. You do need to sort of talk to people about that because I think they can view you in one way. Yeah, you get yeah. You get pigeonholed, and、Absolutely. also if you're really good, yeah, then that's so tough to kind of branch out of because and persuade people that. Yeah, would be just as good as an animator. Exactly. You know, you want to hold on tight to these people, but actually, they want to be a director or they want to be an animator. I、mm. mean, some people do want to stay in cleanup, which is a super reasonable job and yeah, such a challenging one that I definitely could not do myself. If cleanup was paid better, I think、yeah. more people would stay there. I think that's the thing that's frustrating is it's such a undervalued part、mm. of the system, and I feel like yeah. You just really—I mean, everyone needs more money, but I feel absolutely, like, yeah. But it's—it's it's the thing of 
you're not paying someone for doing a job that is a necessity in the pipeline. You see, I think the thing is, it, clean-up seen as a stepping stone in most um, parts of the industry. It's seen as a stepping stone, but they're so keen to keep you there. Yeah. Oh, that's Which is really hard. Yeah. yeah. But how long did it take you to establish yourself as an animator? I uh, it probably three years. Yeah, it took me. It took me three years. I think I was like I wasn't. Um, I sort of interned and did like little jobs for maybe a couple of months, and then started actually getting into more like more real jobs. I don't know how you describe that, but like I guess feel they felt they felt more substantial, right? And they were like for longer, and you know it was for bigger clients mm. and it was for bigger studios so it felt more substantial to me and and that yeah that first year being so stressful but then that second year kind of getting into it more and kind and sort of finding my feet a little bit and then when it came to the third my like third year in the industry I just felt like okay now I'm an animator like now I I know what I'm doing ish but also I know more people I, I know how the structure is yeah I can write a proper invoice you know like all of the stuff where you're like oh okay I feel it's more of a feeling than a yeah than like a I don't know but I think when I hit that three-year point like my it's like something clicked and I stopped overthinking yeah like certain things and actually just animated yeah you just take it in your stride at that point I think I think there's like at the very, very start, I think even when I was a runner, I, I had, like, really bad imposter syndrome. Mm. And I think I'm probably only just at the point now where I'm like, I deserve this. I've worked yeah, hard for this. I've worked like, hard for this. And now I can, I can call myself an animator. Most definitely. <laughs> Most definitely. Um, but no, I think that, that that's the thing that does suck about freelancing is that that imposter syndrome, I feel like, is just a part of your job. Like she's real. Yeah, she's real. Yeah. She lives. She lives she's in that monster with you. All of us. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's like you know that sucky feeling of um, will I ever work again after like every job? Kind of. I mean, it gets quieter over time, but it's still kinder in the yeah. background where you're like, but will I ever work again? <laughs> Let's get real, guys. Let's get will real. Are there, is there another job for me out there? <sighs> Do they remember me? Yeah, just sort of. Yeah, that quiet like. Even people I know who are insanely good still go, I think that studio's forgotten about me. Mm. And I'm like, I... <laughs> Can you hear yourself? Yeah, it's like, you're so good! Because <laughs> that's the thing. Producers aren't going to remember everyone. It's also your responsibility to be a part of the equation. Yeah. And they will remember, like, the person who was on the last job because... Mm-hmm. They're right there because they're, they're standing yeah. there. So they're like, oh, do you what? So if you're, so if you do want to, you know, work in a studio or, um, you know, work with a director, you mm. need to keep on top of it. And like, if you have like keep in contact, because otherwise, you know, a studio can just get wrapped up in these other people, and then unless they need more crew on top of the ones they already have, they might not get back in contact with yeah. you, which um, is obviously annoying. But it's fine, they're doing their thing. They're doing their thing and whatever. The thing that's driving me nuts at the moment, I think we actually spoke about this before, mm. is emailing people that I've worked with before, like producers and stuff, Yeah. and getting out, like not out of offices, but like 
this doesn't exist anymore yeah yeah like it puts you straight back to square one it really it's a really strange thing it is so tough because you do because a lot of studios obviously like everyone's freelance um, I mean, not even everyone. the producers. Even, yeah. yeah. And so then you're emailing people who actually aren't there right now. Yeah. And may not be there for six months or a year or may yeah. never work there again. And you're like, you're my contact. Yeah. My literally one lifeline to that studio. And now I'm back to emailing reception. It's so yeah. strange. Have you ever considered other roles in animation, like producing or? Um, definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> But that is mainly because, like, I would love to have the skills of a producer, Mm. but the harsh reality is I do not know. But also I've never wanted... I've only ever wanted to be an animator. Mm. I mean, like, now I'm sort of interested in, like, dabbling and directing just as, like, the next next thing for my life. The next hurdle. The next hurdle. But, um... But, yeah, over the last, like... 10 years, I definitely never wanted to be anything other than an animator. Yeah. And I do think that if you want to be an animator, be an animator. Like, if you want to be a director, be a director. If you want to be a producer, like, if you're, like, doing a bit of producing and a bit of animating, like, you're only stopping yourself from doing the thing you want to do. Yeah. And also, the thing you want to do, like, whether it's animation, producing, or directing, you need a hell of a lot of experience to be good at that. Yeah. And you need to do it every day. Yeah. But also, like, you know, directing and all of these things, they take so much time and consideration and you have to be really thoughtful, I feel like, all the time doing them. So if you're trying to... Juggle. Um, yeah, yeah. Like, jump from one, like, focus to another focus, mm. you're probably going to be doing two things not great rather than trying really hard to do one thing amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I but I know that like obviously being a if you want to go and be a director, you don't necessarily. I mean, there are certain people who have built their way up, like kind of like me. I've sort of you know done animation for years, and now I like started doing lead roles, and then thought, oh, actually, it might be nice to direct some things. Mm-hmm. But other people go straight into directing, and I feel like if directing is your own goal make sure that you are directing things like if you are it's great to animate and freelance and experience lots of different studios and Mm. experience lots of different styles and kind of become more aware of the industry and what it is that you like Mm. but if you do eventually want to be a director you should be directing whether that means like gifts in your like spare time yeah or trying to you know do music videos on the side or just carving out like a month that you take off from work if you can afford to to actually create a small personal project even if it's like a 15 second like narrative piece yeah because you because the skills of being a director you need to sharpen you need to like think about and you need to dedicate time to thinking about them yeah and you you also need to prove that you can do it to other people yeah exactly no one's gonna just go oh you wanted to be a director sure (laughs) here's here's a job (laughs) go for it i mean i would like obviously love if that's the way Mm -hmm. it worked and I, like, so that's big pressure because you don't even know if you can do it yourself yeah exactly and I think you know for me I felt like because I'd led teams and th- uh, led teams which obviously is very different from directing but it is one part of directing mm. I felt a bit more confident when it came to like someone gave me the opportunity to work on to direct like a small ad and because I was used to running a team it didn't feel like 
a massive jump. Yeah. And I think, so, you know, there were certainly different ways to go about becoming a director, mm. but I would, like, really consider it from the beginning, like, how you want your career to evolve and, like, participate in that. Like, you know, don't let, don't let your career just happen to you. Especially... Yeah, be like, active in it. Yeah, exactly. Like, especially freelancing. I feel like, I mean, I'm sure you've experienced this. It's pretty overwhelming. <laughs> uh, yeah yeah <laughs> I mean like you know that's like because it's often because there's just so many jobs yeah you, like you're on intense projects it's craziness which is super fun but also can be quite overwhelming yeah and you can get lost in all those different jobs and I think that maybe you forget your end goal mm. and you start like you know you start thinking oh it'd be great to work with this studio oh I really want that job oh I you yeah know. you get really absorbed in that that same spot yeah and like and, and that also like maybe actually you don't want to direct and that's fine like mm. you know you don't have to but it's also you know if you do to keep like evaluating as you're going through mm. and considering where you want to be what you want to do and how you want to do that I think is important yeah I agree but for you, were there any things that you don't, like, you didn't really know, like, thinking about, you know, being a freelancer, wanting to animate, was there anything that kind of felt left out and that you struggled to find out on your own? I think the one thing that nobody really talks to you about is money. Money, money, money. Money! <laughs> and what you should be charging as a junior and how you were evolve and mm. oh I, it's so tough like even now I feel like I speak to people like I spoke to my friend the other day and they were actually a senior on this project and their juniors were getting paid more than they were no yeah they were on 180 a day and their juniors were on 250 so yeah just for people's reference I think when you're first coming out of uni I think like those, I mean you'll know more than me because I'm old, but those junior roles tend to be between like 80 and 120 pounds a day, I think is like junior cleanup roles. Yeah, I think I'd agree. On average. But I mean, yeah, there are studios that will take the piss and try and get you for as little as they can. Because also, you know, everyone has a budget that they're trying to work to and also there's so much work often to do that you're like oh can you please like charge less and we can hire a whole other person which um you know is very difficult mm-hmm. but but yes yeah, so if so i think in general if everyone if when you first start out you can try and charge 120 125 you know the important thing about charging properly is that it helps the whole industry and that if you're undercharging, you're just forcing everyone else's day rates down yeah because they're not going to accept the people who charge higher if there's like enough people who who are charging lower like if you're someone who's super talented and then are charging a hundred quid less Mm. than everyone else then no one's going to charge no one's going to pay someone more yeah and and that's that's just it's a frustrating thing so yeah so I think but yeah I think like that first year the first year and a half is around like I think you're gonna go from like 120 to 175 and then in that like sort of second year maybe when you're kind of finding your feet 
it's like between 200 and 250 and then when you're cut like again like it still kind of varies from job to job mm. but but yeah I think on average I'd say cleanup is about 200 is a good day is a good day right a good day rate for a, an animator is about 250 and then a good day rate for a senior I think is like 350 but I think you know, when you get into senior roles, I think your day rate can fluctuate between 250 and 375. I feel it's like the... Well, that's so broad. Which is so broad. Because, yeah. you know, you get in, like, not exciting jobs that can pay, like, really well. Because yeah. it makes up for the cheaper, more fun one. Yeah, and then you could do, like, a charity job that's, like... Or, like, a music video that's super fun, mm. but they have no budget. Mm. And I think, like, as an animator, you, as a freelancer, you choose, you, well, if you're in the lucky position to be able to pick and choose, but you choose what works for you and try and always charge, like, your maximum. But mm. also, you know, it's fine to do jobs for, like, I don't know, 200 a day or 150 a day if you want to, like, have a fun time doing this thing and then try and earn back your money on the next project where you're charging, like, 400 a day. Yeah, exactly. And so it's sort of... Yeah, it's quite a strange... It's quite a strange world when it comes to money and, like, how to how to navigate that. Yeah. It's nice to have it out there, I think, like, as actual mm. spoken words. Actual nobody, numbers. Nobody tell, like, nobody tells you and... No. But it's so awkward. I mean, even, even talking about it now, I feel a little, like... Ugh. But I think, you know, it is really important to talk about. And I think, yeah, if we can be more open about that, mm. the whole industry will benefit and hopefully get paid way more and everyone will be happy. That'll be nice. Is that the happy ending we were looking for? <laughs> <laughs> and that's how we end the podcast. Yeah. Thank you and goodbye. <laughs> it's nice to reflect on um, the industry and actually, like, talking with you about this kind of stuff is, like, really nice in the sense that I, it's nice to have remembered things that I had gone through oh, yeah. <laughs> and then like now I'll be like oh I feel like in a much like happier place and I, you know as much as I was talking before about it being like a real boysy club back in the day mm-hmm. it feels like now there's so many like amazing women who are being given more opportunities to work and, and I'm just excited especially to meet people like you oh. but you know having like it's just so lovely that it like is changing it feels like it is evolving in such a positive way yeah and I've said this to you before but I feel really lucky to have come in at a time where there are people like you that are trying to make the change happen and I'm really 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 lucky to have not experienced the animation Mm. boys club (laughs) you're so sweet (laughs) um but no I mean you know (laughs) <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm really grateful that, like, hopefully you won't have to experience too many boys clubs. But, you know, they're still out there and it's still happening. And, you know, it's great that it's changing and it's, super, it's so nice to see more women. But, yeah, I think um, you may have to experience that at some point, but hopefully not too soon. Yeah. Hopefully you can shove a load of women into these studios before. Yes. <laughs> Get some recommendations going. Exactly. Um, but yeah thank you so much for doing this tour thank you for having me yeah nice to chat <laughs> the ramble <laughs> goodbye everyone goodbye thank you everyone for listening 
And you've been a great audience. You've been a fantastic <laughs> audience. Your silence has given me so much support. Is there anyone else? I can hear a round of applause. Oh, yeah. There it there is. Go. Wonderful. <laughs> um, thank you and goodbye. Hey. Thank you for listening to this episode from our series of conversations with women in the UK animation industry. This is our first podcast, so we hope it will be helpful. We look forward to hearing your feedback. We'll be recording a Q&A after the release of this episode, so please write in if you have any questions you'd like our speakers to answer. Our email is shedrithat.animation at gmail.com. We're really looking forward to reading your questions. Stay tuned for our Q&A, and from everyone at Shedrithat, thank you for listening. <laughs>